the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Welcome back to another episode of the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. It is a Wednesday episode. That means it's the Weave crew. I am your host this week, Jim Root, joined by the other two members, Kai McEwen and Matthew Cox. We are here every midweek Wednesday with Stucky and co taking the Monday and Friday episodes. We're taking you through the Wednesday and Thursday slates with a handful of segments, mainly the live dog of the week, the power games of the week the mid-major games of the week, the trash man pick of the week, and a spotlight section at the end. Fellas, let's get right into it. Let's dive in. Let's look at the live dogs of the week. Uh Where's my dog? Uh Uh-huh, where's my dog? Where's my dog? Uh Uh-huh, where's my dog? First, a recap of last week. Ah, not as strong as we had done previously. I believe we swept the board last uh, last time we had recapped. Not so true this time. St. John's, nope. Excuse me, St. Joe's, nope. Delaware, no. Northern Iowa, no. Western Kentucky almost got there for both of you guys. They lost mm-hmm. in overtime. Big bummer. At least they covered. Kai, we're going to find winners this week, right? Yes? Absolutely. 100% guaranteed. If they don't cover, Matt will let you live in his apartment for free. That, Don't cold that is confirmed. We've already uh, already excavated the back office annex, guys. So plenty of space. It'll be roomy. Not too yeah, uh, not too bad of punishment if you don't. Okay. Yeah, Matt's Matt's always traveling all over the world, anyways. He can Airbnb his place if need be. Don't you worry, folks. So you could be friends with Kaina in downtown Chicago. Okay, let's look mm. at Wednesday. Got a couple I picked out here. We'll see if they intrigue my co-hosts here. Providence plus eight at UConn. Syracuse plus five at Clemson. And Temple, plus eight at Cincinnati. Start with the Friars, a relentless underdog. Ed Cooley is one of the best ATS coaches as an underdog, just a hair above 60% in his career at Providence on a very large sample size. So you have to think they're going to compete. UConn hasn't been the same team as of late. Looking at Syracuse and Clemson, man, Clemson just lost to Louisville. So if you don't think they can lose this game, you're crazy. They can lose to anyone, not the elite ACC squad they appeared and I know my friend Matt is high on Syracuse as a potential buy low candidate. So we'll see if we can talk him into the money line there. And then Temple and Cincinnati. Look, Temple's won at Houston. They have this in their range of outcomes. They are an erratic up and down team. And sometimes that's what you're looking for with a money line dog. The big question is Caleb Battle. He's been out due to personal reasons. His status is TBD. Matt, going to you. Any one of these really jump out to you as a strong candidate this week? Yeah, Providence does for sure, Jim. Um, you said you had Cooley at over 60%. Um, I think I have him at 57% from 26, 2006 and forward. Re- regardless, uh, his track record I think it's, I think it's over 60 at Providence if you take out the Fairfield days. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, still, yeah, his MO holds up here. And UConn, well, I think they're maybe trending back in the right direction. I think they're a little bit of an overvalued team in the market still. So they're not... They're a team I'm willing to play on the Ed Cooley transit dog there, Kai. So I'm taking Providence 
don't trust Temple. And I, even though I like Syracuse, I don't think that's enough of a uh, enough value at plus five money line against Clemson. Uh, I would consider Providence. It's not going to be eight. That spread's enormous. I, I would definitely take Providence as a dog in that sense, plus eight. Um, I, I don't see the spread being that high. But yeah, Providence beat UConn by double digits earlier this season. They could certainly do it again. I'm not going to endorse it officially for the show money line. I, I do like Temple if Battle is in the lineup because when Battle and Dunn are on the court, no one can really stop them. They're two of the best guards in this conference, the American. And Cincinnati has had its faults. They've certainly been better uh, as of late. But Victor Lockin, Lock I, I think, came back last game. Um, still not, he, excuse me, he did not come back last game. If he slot a lineup, he's a big piece of Sensi. Uh, and Jamil Reynolds for Temple can really take advantage if he's out of the game. So I lean towards Temple uh, as a money line dog. I'm taking it, Jim. There you go. There you go. Jump on Temple. Matt, here, I'll, I'll clarify. Cooley as a road dog is 60.5% gotcha. uh, in his career. So maybe not as strong as a home dog, but hey, he's on the road here. So that that works out well for us. Kai, I would tend to agree, given the form that UConn has showed recently, I doubt that they're laying eight in that spot. So maybe the money line value comes down a little bit, but I actually am going to ride with the Friars. I feel strongly enough that they'll compete with their physicality in the paint. And given uh, that, you know, give me a close game, it's worth taking a, a little bit of a shot, splitting my bet between spread and money line there. Matt, no Syracuse? No Syracuse. I need Syracuse. plus seven maybe converted to money line, but plus five, I need a little more, a few more points to find value there. Just don't trust yeah. away from home. Unfortunately, that's, you know, when you lose to Louisville, like Clemson did, your analytical value goes yep. down and your spreads get smaller. Yep. Okay, let's look at Thursday. UCLA is on the road at Utah. So Utah getting five points at elevation there. Northwestern plus five at Illinois. The Purple Cats are rolling right now. They're trying to sweep the Illini, get an in-state sweep over Brad Underwood's club. And Northeastern, plus eight at Drexel. Don't look now, guys, but Northeastern has won two in a row very easily, blown out two opponents, and Drexel's lost three in a row. Amari Williams got hurt, missed last game. They lost to Hampton without him, so you know they can lose to hmm. Northeastern as well. Kai, we'll, we'll, we'll start with you here. Between these three, do any jump out at you for the Thursday slate? Uh, man, I, I'm tired of fading Drexel. It has not gone well for me. I, I know they just lost to Hampton, but gosh, uh, that's a team I can't figure out. UCLA, maybe. I I think they're pretty much run, running into form, though, and I think they're a top-five team in the country, so fading them scares me. But I do like the Purple Cats. Northwestern, why not, man? They, they've been playing so well lately. I, I don't mind riding the train one more time with them. Add an Illinois team that... Um, frankly, is a little bit erratic. Uh, they certainly have the ability to lay a stinker. I saw one live at Illinois against Indiana and Northwestern. They're 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 nothing if they aren't steady. They just they're just rock solid. They don't make a lot of mistakes. And their backcourt's been great lately. So I like Northwestern, Jim. Yeah, the Illinois fans are driven nuts, but they're like, we don't know what team is going to show up. We have no <laughs> idea which Illinois version is going to show up in March. And Matt, I believe Terrence Shannon is still out for that game, still in concussion protocol. So that tilts it even more towards Northwestern. This line could be lower than four. Maybe this is only like plus 150. Uh, what about you, though? Yeah. Any of these three games jumping out to you? Yeah, I still don't like Northwestern there because of the Big Ten at home angle. It's just been so freaking strong so far this season. And then they played well without Shannon at IU. I mean, nearly almost beat the Hoosiers at assembly, and, they, and the Hoosiers are playing as well as anyone right now. Utah, don't trust him without Gabe Matson. Just haven't been a different team since he's been out. 
I like Northeastern though, right? I think it's a team that you're getting at an all-time by low. Uh, there's been some lineup changes I think Bill Cohen's made there. And then you're catching Drexel, who is a completely different team without Amari Williams. I mean, he's their anchor up front without them. They have like no defensive backbone. So that could be like a really sharp pointing comet versus a really sharp falling knife there at Northeastern Drexel. I kind of like that angle, especially if you're getting plus seven or plus eight. Yeah, Williams being out would be the uh, the point for me there. Justin Moore's been out. Jamie Bergens has been out. Two of their better backcourt creators. Like that team is really, really limited right now by injuries. So if they're going to stay that shorthanded, I think Northeastern's worth a shot there in the season finale. Of course, that will be senior day for Drexel, but uh, I believe they're only saying goodbye to two or three players, none of those uh, those injured guys. So we'll see how that one plans out. But any others, you guys, that you have looked through, seen on the Wednesday or Thursday slate that intrigue you? I know I only picked out uh, six of these possible games. There's a lot of these Moneyline dog spots in conference play. Matt, I'll go to you first. Anything that jumped out? I looked at Mercer versus Furman because I'm sick, and I still have this weird um, affinity for Mercer as a team with high upside. I think we agree that they can. Their good is still very good. Um, and I know Furman's been kind of a mini juggernaut, but it's a team that's prone to letdowns, right? Losing at home to the Citadel. Um, so I think Mercer, you're going to catch probably 12, 13 points. Um, I mean, you get a really juicy price there. I think it could be worth a flourish. I mean, it's the only one that really popped to me, though, in the mid-major for Wednesday. Yeah, Furman needs to win out to win the SoCon. Uh, they've got to beat Mercer there and then win at Samford. So there are very high stakes for them. But look, they needed to do that when they beat or when they lost to the Citadel. And yeah. they also almost lost at home to East Tennessee State as like a 13-point favorite. So I can see that, Matt. They have not been super convincing at times. Kai, what about you? Anything else? I considered Pepperdine at Santa Clara, but then I realized, oh, Pepperdine on the road, not great. Oh, Pepperdine in general, not great. They just have, <laughs> they have the upside still offensively to to pull a major upset, but I just don't think Romar's it. I don't think the team chemistry's it. So I stayed away there. Just Temple yeah. and Northwestern for me, Jim. That roster, it's so talented for Pepperdine, but the Waves have not really lived up to the talent level. Yeah, so to recap, Kai, you are going with Temple and Northwestern. Is that correct? Correct. Matthew, where are you going? Providence, Northeastern. Um, I'm going to do a little combination plate of your guys' uh, offerings. Providence, Northeastern, and Northwestern. So the North Blankstern combination there. I think it's worth it. I, I think splitting between spread money line and those. Again, we'll see what the Northwestern price ends up being with Terrence Shannon out and the way Northwestern is trending. But those are the ones I'm going with. All right, our next segment that I actually forgot to mention in the opening, that is Blowout City. And I got to say, I'm very fond of the two I picked out here, so hopefully I can convince you guys. Fire in the hole! Last week, Louisville did not get crushed by Virginia. Uh, they, they hung around, avoided being crockpotted, so hat tip to the Cardinals. And Hofstra did destroy Hampton Hofstra is just completely rolling down the stretch in CAA play, both straight up and against the spread. So, hey, if you see the pride on your betting slip, uh, your betting menu, maybe worth betting Hofstra because they've got one more win to clinch that regular season title. But, guys, for our blowout city Wednesday, I've got Maryland laying 18 at home against Minnesota. And Thursday, Gonzaga laying 20 at home to San Diego. Here's why I like those two. Maryland is a juggernaut at home. No surprise. We know this. 11-4 against the spread, plus two cover margin. If you take out the UCLA game where they got smashed by an elite team, the cover margin goes up to like six a game. They, they are fully capable of destroying teams. And Minnesota is on a very tough short turnaround. They played at Illinois on Monday. They have to go out to College Park, two time, or a time zone away 
48 hours later, I think that's a terrible spot for them. So I like Maryland there. And on Thursday, Gonzaga playing a shorthanded team that already doesn't play any defense. That would be San Diego, the Toreros. And Gonzaga still has the implications of the tiebreaker atop the WCC, which is the net. They're trailing St. Mary's in the net by a few spots. So a blowout win really, really benefits them. There's the incentive. Matt, I found two favorites that I like. Do you side with either of them? Here's why I don't like Minnesota. Dawson Garcia's back. They've been a different team with him back. Um, yes, the spot is terrible, and I think that actually could negate the Garcia factor, but the fact that they have been competitive against Illinois and Penn State two straight games makes me think that they could be a little bit undervalued right now. So I steer clear of that one. Gonzaga still feels too many for a defense I don't all the way trust. I know San Diego won't be able to, to guard the Zags, worry about the Zags letting off their uh, – Letting the foot off the gas. The one I do like, Jim, off the board, if you, if I may, Drake hosting Illinois State, who's been a dumpster fire lately, and Drake has been the mini juggernaut that we saw in the non-con two seasons ago. I think they keep it going here as we head closer toward Arch Madness in St. Louis, Kai. I'm, I'm going to rebut Matthew's point on Minnesota. I'm going I'm to push back a little. Yes, they were decent in those two games, but they were playing shorthanded Illinois, who we just talked about is super erratic. They did not have Terrence Shannon, so great. They hung around there. And look, Penn State at home losing by eight. I'm not like super blown away by that performance. That's not some great shakes, uh, unstoppable juggernaut. So I, I I think Maryland at home still a good bet. Kai, did I convince you on either one? Or are you going with Matt's bet there? Uh, I'm going Zags for sure. I, I think they destroy San Diego for the points you mentioned. San Diego, their defense is terrible. And Gonzaga, the best offense in the country, will score at will. Mark Few is very aware where the net stands right now. He knows he needs to blow them out. Um, not that he's not going to try anyways, but I, I think it's a little extra motivation. Uh, I, I actually lean towards Minnesota against Maryland. Uh, the first game, Maryland was up by 42 points against Minnesota. Garcia wasn't there. Carrington wasn't there. That game played 61 possessions. So Minnesota succeeded in making it a slog. They just didn't have the talent uh, or the shooting that night. It, it was brutal. I don't think Minnesota is going to win, but 18 points is a lot. So I'd probably lean towards them covering in a game that could play 60 possessions. Folks, these two are crazy going against Big Ten home court there. I believe the Illinois spread on Ken Palm was like 17, and it ended up being 14 and a half in real life. Mm-hmm. So does it get more intriguing if it's down at like 15, 15 and a half here instead of 18? I think that's because of Shannon, though. Yeah. I don't think it'll be that. I, I think it'll be 18-ish. All right. Ish. Yeah. Okay. Uh, before we move into our next segment, that would be Power Game of the Week, we're going to get a word from our sponsor. College basketball season is in full swing, so get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and receive first bet insurance up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario, new customer offer only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility agreements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. This excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, guys, power game of the week. Next segment. Oh, feel the power. Oh, I could feel it. This is typically the uh, the showcase. Great matchups at the top of the country. We typically have a Big 12 game here, but the Big 12 front-loaded their schedule on Big Monday and Super Tuesday. So we don't have a great slate here. We already discussed Providence at UConn, Northwestern Illinois, UCLA, Utah a little bit. Those could be argued as maybe the three best games of Wednesday and Thursday. So we're going to go to some sort of more off-the-radar big bubble implications starting with Iowa at Wisconsin. Badgers are really against the wall here, basically exactly on the cut line. Any bracketology you look at, they're probably the last team in or the first team out. They are living dangerously at this stage. They just lost at home to shorthanded Rutgers. Kai, can they get it done against Iowa? Once again, Big Ten home court, which is 68-41 and against the spread this year. Are you going to buy in on the Badgers? Yeah, it's a short number, and Iowa is... Three and six against the spread as a road team. They're not as good away from home. But gosh, I'm I'm kind of done with Wisconsin. Uh the yeah, Rutgers. What, what are we doing? We just did this. Guys, yeah. we just did this dance. Come the on, Rutgers loss better. was you know disappointing. It, Rutgers, you know no better. McConnell, no Mag, and still won that game against Wisconsin. That's ridiculous. Um, not to mention Wisconsin beat Iowa in their first matchup. That was at Iowa. Iowa didn't have Chris Murray. Didn't have Chris Murray in that game. So I, I do think Iowa comes out looking for blood here. And I think Wisconsin's season effectively ends with this game. Yeah, Iowa by seven. I mean, I, it's hard to really beat Wisconsin badly. I just think they're outclassed. Um, the Big Ten, I think we learned quickly what Big Ten teams are really bad. And it's the ones that can't really defend their home court consistently at all, especially in good spots. I think that was sort of a telltale sign. The Rutgers deflation. Um, so, yeah, I'm all in on Iowa here, Jim. Interesting. Wow, look at you. Just a note, Wisconsin, 3-9 and nine against the spread at home. They're the exception to the Big Ten rule. They're just yeah. not good. They're just bad. Yeah. They have nine Q1, Q2 wins, Matt. Somehow they have managed to be good enough to be where they're at. It's also really funny. I feel like every show we do, Matt's like, all right, I'm done going against Big Ten home. And then we talk about like three Big Ten games. <laughs> He's like, I like their road team. I like their road team. Uh, that's okay. We, we love our Matthew. Uh, the other one I want to talk about is Kentucky at Florida. Florida maybe trending way down here. Uh, Ken Palm has a spread minus two. I would wager very comfortably that Kentucky is favored with no Colin Castleton since he broke his hands. Yes. Florida's first game without him, they got smashed at Arkansas. Just no chance on the road there. Kentucky actually trending up a little bit. Matt, this is a golden opportunity. Haha, <laughs> golden. Florida coach. Uh, golden opportunity for a Q1 win for the Wildcats. Continue to shore up that resume and you're playing a team that's shorthanded, but it's still going to be comfortably a Q1 win on the road. And they took care of them at Rupp with Castleton in the lineup. Why shouldn't we back Big Blue Nation here? 
No, I think we should. I've been a Florida backer most of the season. Stubbornly, the market's been shading their way pretty. Can you see their odds maker opener prices and early market bet into prices always skew higher than what Kempom and Bart Torek have them uh, set at? But here without Castleton, different team. I think they're a hard sell at this point. Kentucky, you're right. I know it's going to be a hostile environment, big opportunity for Mr. Uh, Golden to get a key win there, kind of right the ship after a frustrating season. I still think the, the Cats get it done, though. I, I do, too. Without Castleton, there's no hope here. Game one, he had 25 points, eight boards for Florida in a losing effort. Sheboy stat line that game, he was two for 14 from two. Sheboy, two for 14. The guy works around the bucket. Yeah, total anomaly. Castleton's gone. Florida doesn't have him. I, I think it's, it's Kentucky by a fair margin in this game. Yep, big agree. I like Kentucky. I think, unfortunately, Florida's playing out the string a little bit, and everything they did well, interior defense, playing through the post, getting on a, passing on a double teams with Castleton getting attention, it was all based on Castleton. I don't know how they score. They cannot shoot the ball, and their defense is way more vulnerable without a mobile shot blocker the way Castleton is. So, yep, I'm, I'm with Kentucky there. I think they take money. I, I could see that game closing like Kentucky minus three. And I would still probably take the Wildcats. We'll see. Uh, and in the end of this show, in the spotlight section, you'll hear that SEC home court, not all that strong. So uh, potentially an angle there. All right, next up is mid-major game of the week. Have a few to highlight here. Top of the board, New Mexico at Boise State on Wednesday. The Broncos laying six at home at Taco Bell Arena in Boise. Great name on that. New Mexico has fallen to the outside looking in of the of the bracket. They need wins here. They need to pick up a big one on the road. Marcus Shaver's back, hitting huge shots, doing what he does down the stretch. Kai, which team are you back in here in the Mountain West? Oh, man. I hope New Mexico wins this game, frankly, because I want them in the tournament. Uh, they, were, they were without Jalen House for two games. They dropped both those games. Now, you shouldn't lose at home to Wyoming, with even without House. That was a terrible loss. Even at Air Force is, is a pretty bad loss. Uh, I hope they get the win here. They have the firepower to do it. And I think if they drop this one, certainly three games going forward, but if they're hovering around 500 come selection time in the Mountain West, I don't think the committee is going to look kindly on that, especially when you're going to take uh, at least three other Mountain West teams right now. So New Mexico kind of needs this one. I, I am leading their way, Matt. Yeah, I think if they win this game, though, it just puts more spotlight on the with and without Jane House thing. So I think actually they could be like a slingshot effect in the committee's eyes if that eye test does come into play. I mean, they're all in for this game at Boise, and they have San Diego State at home this weekend. They're going to get one of these two. They have to get one of these two. They've been a different team at home this season, no question about it. But I think they've been good on the road as well. They haven't been like this complete, um, you know, one-sided, you know, only protect your home court, can't translate it on the road. I think they actually get this done. It's it's a team that's still undervalued, right? They were undervalued early in conference play. They were, I think, undervalued now because they were without house. Um, I think six is too many. I think the Lobos on the road. I agree, Matt. They actually have been really solid on the road. One at San Diego State, one at St. Mary's. Should have won at Nevada, if not for a ridiculous flagrant call in the final minute against Morrissey Deze in overtime. So, yeah, I, I actually uh, will be betting New Mexico. That's potentially a, a money line live dog of the week as well, guys. Uh, could have been brought up in that section. New Mexico five and one against the spread on the road, plus thirteen cover margin. Plus thirteen. That's, That's really high. good. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and well, they just smoked San Jose State getting Jalen House back. Yep. Just a totally different team with him in the lineup. All right. On Thursday, the other mid-major game we're going to highlight: North Texas at Charlotte, laying one in Conference USA. That is the spread per Ken Palm. 
a grinding tempo game, two teams that really like to play in the half court, 113 projected points per Mr. Pomeroy. But North Texas has climbed into the at-large picture. They are hanging around. This is a Q2 win opportunity. Charlotte fairly comfortably in quadrant two on the road here. Kai, does North Texas start to solidify at least a, a somewhat of a case to make the committee think about them on Selection Sunday? Yeah, it's kind of awesome. They're they're in the field discussion right now. Um, they have 23 wins. If they beat Charlotte tomorrow and then finish up with winnable games, Middle Tennessee, West Kentucky, 26 wins in that top 50-ish Kimpom mark, that's going to be really tough to keep to keep them out of the tournament. Um, I don't. I forget always what the win record is for teams that have missed the dance. But if North Texas grabs a couple of Conference USA tournament wins as well, say 28 wins, Matt, I think there's a real chance they get in. And we always said Conference USA should be a two bid league anyways this season with FAU. So I'm hoping uh, they get it done. I do like them against Charlotte. I do too. Yeah, I mean Charlotte's last couple of games, right? They play Louisiana Tech without Kobe Williams, who's basically just a totally different team. Um, needed overtime to beat Western Kentucky, who's been sort of a uh, disappointment this season. He got blown out by North Texas the game before that. So, yeah, I like North Texas here. Um, I know there's some revenge, I guess, but I think the, the mean green get it done. Can we, can we just highlight that the first game between these two, Matt, you just mentioned, had 47 possessions. Oh, my gosh. 47 possessions in it, 40 it's, minutes. It's like in black font on Kevin Palm's site because it's so bolded. It's so like it's in. Yeah, it's an outlier. It's, it's not even almost physically possible. I, it has to be the slowest game of the year. I mean, teams taking almost 30 seconds every time the shot clock, every offensive rebound, they pull it out and take another 20 seconds. That is ludicrous. 47 possessions. North Texas, super comfortable at that pace. I like them as well. I think they get the win on the road. They scored 1.43 points per possession in that game, North Texas. And, and only had 67 <laughs> points. But it's just like, ridiculous. oh, this was a juggernaut of an offensive performance despite wow. only scoring 67 points. Yeah. Totally absurd. Uh, if you have like, morbid curiosity about that i think that game is also worth watching there if you have a chance mm-hmm. yeah two of the slowest three teams in the country by tempo this year yeah ludicrous 47 possessions I, that's insane i can't yeah. even fathom it all right let's go to the trash man pick of the week after we discuss the slowest game of the season the trash man pick of the week i'm the trash man just throw me in the trash you're garbage and you know it Totally unreliable. Is that it? Undependable. That's it. You've been told off. How do you like that? Good. This will not be a slow game, but I'm giving mid-majors a break here. We've kind of dunked on the OVC and the NEC over and over again in this section. Matt, I'm going to dunk on St. John's and Georgetown. St. John's laying five on the road at Georgetown. There won't be much defense in this game, so hey, at least there's points. But it's a trash man pick of the week because I don't think either coach is going to be employed in a month. So that's why I'm kind of throwing throwing both these two to the wolves. Do you see anything interesting about this matchup? I like St. John's. I, they've been semi-competitive. I'll put semi-underscore uh, the, the caveat there. But the last three games, David Jones back. Beat Providence at home. Beat DePaul in double OT on the road. And lost to Creighton by 10 at home. Not exactly a great effort, but, you know, not incompetent Kai or Georgetown. Yes, they just beat Butler at Butler. I still think there's they're a worse team than St. John's with David Jones back. Yeah, I'd lean towards St. John's as well. Um, it's going to be sloppy. There's going to be a lot of dumb mistakes because both teams are not well coached, frankly. Um, a slight apologies to Mike Anderson there, but but mostly Patrick Ewing, his coaching ability is, is obviously well documented. It's a trash game, Jim. I'll probably stay away from it in general. Yeah, lean St. John's uh, on whatever the number is going to be. 
Yeah, St. John's has been not uh, been without Andre Curbelo due to, I believe, coach decision. Like it just this chemistry experiment with him and Pasha Alexander was kind of always doomed to fail. I think that was uh, the easy answer in the preseason. I think we said it on our Big East preview pod and three man weave. And yeah, it, it's been a nightmare for them. I do love AJ Store, the freshman. Going to give him a shout out. I think he's going to be really, really good wherever he ends up. I don't know if he'll stay at St. John's <laughs> if they change coaches, but. Uh, very intrigued by his potential. All right, guys, let's now go to the final segment of our show. That would be the spotlight section. And I have the spotlight shining on conference splits here. We're going to talk about the best home and road ATS conferences, best and worst, actually. And then also totals. Uh, certain leagues have tilted way, way towards the over. We're going to theorize as to why that might be and whether it will continue down the stretch. Starting with home court, no surprise here, guys. The Big Ten, 68 and 41 against the spread. Our home teams, 62.4%. It's been even stronger in January if you throw out some of the December results where the games maybe weren't as grueling, not as late in the schedule. Matt, they just have great home environments, right? Like that's kind of the biggest thing. Do you think officiating is a big part of it as well? Yeah, I do. Uh, Big Ten fans will certainly tell you as such. And there's been some kind of back of the napkin analysis on Twitter, like breaks down some of the fouling rates by both teams home and away. And I think there's a real effect home team on the whistle, home team tend to get a little from your whistle. And with so many of these teams that play physical, I think that edge does kind of matter. So yeah, this is real. I mean, it's like legit five points this year. Kyle, other conferences worth looking at here, the OVC, the OVC 32 and 18. Now that is per bet labs. I feel like that's missing games that I don't think there's only been 50 games in the OVC Mm. Um, potentially could be lacking some of the samples, so I'm not going to put a ton of stock in that yet. Uh, the Summit, 45 and 36, about 56%. Uh, the MAC also like that, Matt, the Mid-American. However, over the last month, only 23 and 27, which makes more sense to me. There's not a ton of travel in that conference. You're basically in Ohio or Michigan. Not a lot of uh, yeah. tough flights <clears throat> or drives. Buffalo, really the only trip that I think intrigue or, or is, is difficult for most so I think that one is going to come back down to 50% as we go on. On the other hand, the MVC, Missouri Valley, uh, 57 and 47, but 26 and 18 over the last month. That's been rising. Could see that happening in the last couple of games here before Arch Madness. Kai, your takeaways from that group of strong home court leagues. I've been thinking about why certain leagues are like this, and I think the answer is parity within the league. Um, teams largely the same or at least closely rated they tend to do better at home because they have the extra home court environment behind them. You look at the Big Ten, 12 teams in that conference rank between 19 and 64 on Kimpom. Nine are between 26 and 64. That's not a very big spread. So these teams are pretty evenly matched. I think that's a big part of it. Same story yep. in the OVC. Same story in the Summit outside of Oral Roberts. The MAC is a bit weird. The, there are seven teams that are really close to each other, the bad teams. Um, I, I'd say that's a little bit more of an outlier, Jim, and you mentioned it's coming down yeah. in the Valley's case where there is some parity that league has always had really strong home courts. And I, I think frankly, the way the teams travel to these places, I think they take buses, the, the Valley to all these places and, and these environments are pretty hostile. They have really good home crowds there. So the Valley is just kind of a strong home court for that reason. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I think summit, parries everything. Like- physicality there too, um, mm-hmm. which again yes. could, could yeah. contribute to refing. Sorry, Matt, go ahead on parody. No. Yeah. I think I hit it for once. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, oh. No. Yeah. It's, I think they're all competitive leagues and you're, right, I think some of the travel new or burdens, I guess are stronger, especially in the Valley. Like I know it's not as 
geographically dispersed as like the whack or something, but, but it's not a, you know, it's not always going from St. Louis to Chicago or anything. These are kind of teams, you know, places that aren't in near big cities, tougher to get to. Yep. All right. Let's talk worst home court. And I think you'll, you'll sense, especially that the worst league makes a lot of sense to us. The Metro Atlantic 33 and 55 against the spread Our home teams. That is 37 and a half percent. There's very little travel for most schools in this league outside of the Buffalo trip over to Canisius and Niagara. And Canisius isn't very good. They played some games not even at home. They had to play at Niagara because of, I believe it was a storm situation going on with the the facility. So that hurts the home court. Very little travel in the Northeast. Matt, this doesn't really surprise us, right? No, I think we've been saying this for a while. Mm -hmm. Northeast cluster conferences don't give too much stock to home. Uh, and this is, I think, the the microcosm of that. Yeah, this one does go against parity a little bit, but it, it, they are so close together. Perhaps it just negates it. Yeah, there are there is you know a powerhouse uh, Iona at the top, mm-hmm. and then there's some drags. Marist has been really really bad this season, and I think that might contribute to it too. I know they haven't been very good at home, really anywhere. Uh, SoCon also in here as one of the worst home court advantages. Thirty and fifty against the spread are the home teams. This one, I think, has the opposite of parity, Kai, where there's some really good teams that have separated themselves atop the league. Mm-hmm. And then you have VMI, the Citadel. They have really, really struggled. East Tennessee State's had a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. So I think this one makes a little bit of sense as well. Yeah, good teams, bad teams. Basically the split there. Yep. Home court matters more if you're good yes. in, in general. Like you're going to have more yep. fans there. You're going to mm-hmm. get more of a boost from playing there. Uh, it just it just means a little bit more. Yep. CUSA thirty nine and fifty against the spread at home. I thought this would be a little higher, but look, you know, there's, there's only so many UTEP trips you can make all the way out west. Uh, the rest of it maybe not as strong of, of travel. And again, Florida Atlantic, North Texas, UAB, pretty mm-hmm. clearly the top three there. I think that helps separate yep. this a little bit. Yeah, I agree. And then the SEC, the the lowest home court advantage for any of the power conferences. 45 and 53. Again, this is only 46%. It's not some yeah. massive like auto bet angle. And it's stabilized in February. Home teams are 21 and 17 against the spread. A little bit surprising given the way we perceive a team like uh, Auburn or Arkansas as being a lot better at home. But yeah, South Carolina is terrible. Teams have bullets them at their place. I don't think that home cart matters really at all. Uh, and there's a couple other situations where uh, maybe it's just not as strong this season. Last but not least, we're going to talk over and under leagues and really the only super strong angles here on the over side. And that makes sense given how strong overs have been just throughout the entire country this season. Uh, I believe over the past month, they're hitting at like 57%. Efficiency and pace have been a little higher than in history or than history would indicate, which means points, points, points. Matt, the American, a league we typically think is, is poor shooting, all defense, 52 and 25 to the over with a plus seven cover margin almost. Now, OT skews margins here. That's never going to help an under and it's always going to help over. So keep that in mind. But what what is it about the American Matt that we think is creating such a massive over environment? Uh, I, some of the changes in coaching, it's it's a more it's a faster league than it used to be. It used to be mm-hmm. much more a half court grind out type of league, but now you have South Florida running, Tulane runs at a breakneck temp- tempo, Memphis obviously runs, Cincinnati's running now. SMU's running under first-year coach Rob Lanier. Uh, even Tulsa, even though they probably should not be running, they're playing at a faster tempo. So, yeah, I think it's mostly pace-driven, just the 
you know, most of the prices haven't adjusted to the new normal, I guess, across the board. Yeah, and Tulsa has like an all-time bad defense for this league. So a lot of their games go over because they're giving up 90 to 100 every night. Uh, Kai, how about the Mountain West? Is, is there anything about that league that jumps out to you that would be leading to overs? Because they're 52 and 26 to that mm-hmm. to that angle, sixty almost 67%, two-thirds of the games. What are you seeing with uh, the Mountain West here? It's efficiency for the Mountain West. They are sixth in the country in efficiency. They still play at one of the slowest temples, tempos, excuse me. But defenses have been poor in this league. Offenses have been much better uh, for for a lot of the teams across the league. And if you think about it, if these teams all play small pay, or low tempos, the the totals are going to be lower in these games. Tend to be easier to cover a low total, especially with late game fouling. If games are close, uh, teams have been more efficient in this league. So that that that's driving the Mountain West overs. Yeah, the Mountain West top five nationally in three-point percentage, two-point percentage, and free throw percentage. Free throw so, percentage, yep. A lot of shot making there. I think, Matt, you mentioned coaching changes. Utah State bringing in Odom is a really big shift towards overs uh, just uh, among some of the other ones. And Fresno has, you know, maybe been a little bit more over than in, in past years. So that one, I, I'm kind of looking to see if it'll continue down the stretch. I don't know if they've fully baked in that efficiency quite yet. The other two leagues to mention, CUSA, OVC, uh, CUSA at about 60% to overs, kind of similar to Mountain West, where I think there's some slow teams that have been a lot more efficient than expected. And then OVC, 31 and 19 to the over. Again, I still think that is not enough games for that league. I don't know why there's only 50 there. Yeah, short on games, but also everyone plays at a breakneck speed, except Moorhead. (laughs) There's like six teams in the top 80 or something in tempo this season. They just run. And coincidentally, Kai, who's in first place by two games in that league? It's Moorhead. It's yeah. Moorhead, Jim. <laughs> Slowing everybody else down, making them play their game has worked out very well for Preston Spradlin there. Uh, the under leagues, Matthias, the Pac-12, 44 and 56. Again, these are not super strong, only like 44% for each of these leagues, but mm-hmm. at least worth noting, the Big East, 40 and 50, the Metro Atlantic, 42 and 49. Any takeaways from you, Matt, on that? Or are you just kind of saying, look, none of those are strong enough to be anywhere close to auto bet, so I'm just shrugging. I kind of felt like Pac-12 as an under league makes sense to me. I think I actually wrote that down somewhere. Um, Just like the way USC, um, Washington State, even this year's version of Oregon um, and UCLA with their rebolstered size up front, I guess they're younger, but emerging size, it does feel like an under league. I think there's a lot more rim protectors and the offensive Firepower hasn't quite lived up to stuff. Uh, Arizona State, I think, you know, look at their basic identity shift this season. You know, one of the largest in the country. Oregon State, Stanford, Washington. You know, these are teams just kind of muck it up. So I, I kind of understand that. Also, the junkie defenses tends to deflate pace a little bit too. So Pac-12 under good under league. I think that's a sustainable uh, angle to maybe keep an eye on. Yeah, it, Mr. Pomeroy's website by conference doesn't have average height, but I would venture to guess that the Pac-12 is the tallest conference in the league it is mm-hmm. number one in block rate mm-hmm. and teams are not making threes in that league either 30th nationally in three-point percentage <clears throat> so they can't score inside they can't score out that's why they're 29th in efficiency that is a problem all right that pretty much wraps it up guys for this week's episode of big bets on campus we could do a quick recap of what we have uh, uh, as bets from this week for the live dog of the week i went with providence northeastern and northwestern Kai had Temple and Northwestern, Matt Providence or Northeastern. So some overlap there. 
Blowout City. I'm riding with Maryland and Gonzaga to get big blowouts. I think these guys only agreed really on Gonzaga. Matt, you Zags. like Drake's, correct? Drake, Drizzy Drake, blowout of Ellie State. There we go. Uh, power game of the week. These We were split on Iowa at Wisconsin. Not much to, to say there. I think both these guys liked Iowa to prove Wisconsin is a fraud, kicked them out of the tournament. And we all agree Kentucky at Florida, as long as you don't get something crazy like laying four and a half or whatever, uh, with no Castleton in there for Florida and Kentucky trending up. And Kentucky's worth a look. Mid-major game of the week, Matt, like New Mexico. We both kind of like North Texas. Not a lot going in the trash, man. And in spotlight, remember to look at Big Ten home court, potentially some American and Mountain West overs and Pac-12 unders. That's what we're zeroed in on for the week. That wraps it up for Big Bets on Campus for this Wednesday episode. Thank you to BetMGM, our sponsor. For Kai McEwen, Matthew Cox, I am Jim Root. We're the three-man weave. We'll be back next Wednesday. Good luck with your bets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.